Welcome to the Walk in Jesus podcast, where we discuss practical, actionable steps for walking with Jesus in a Christian life without confusion, hassle, or stress. I'm your host, Brett Swale, so let's get moving. This podcast is brought to you by East Cocalico Church at 4 Bunker Hill Road in beautiful Stevens, Pennsylvania, and is affiliated with the Church of the Brethren, dedicated to continuing the work of Jesus peaceably, simply, together. The love of Jesus filling every heart. You know, you have a choice. Revelation 22, verses 13 through 15. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. Now for some gang members in El Salvador, the evangelical church offers a way out. In an article by NPR's Emily Green, she writes, In El Salvador's capital, San Salvador, people drive around with their car windows closed to avoid petty theft. But when they enter neighborhoods controlled by gangs, they keep their car windows open to show their faces. That way the gangs know they're not an enemy. In the center of one such neighborhood known as Ladina, a tiny Baptist church sits on a narrow street. In a neighborhood notorious for violence, it's the one place that gangs leave alone. The church underscores the growing ties between gangs in El Salvador and evangelical Christianity. In a country where Roman Catholicism has traditionally predominated, evangelicalism is growing and has gained respect and the endorsement of gangs, a rare point of agreement even for rival groups like Barrio 18 and MS-13, the country's two biggest gangs. It has also left many boys and men growing up in gang-controlled areas with stark choices. According to academic research in interviews with pastors and former gang members, their only alternative to joining a gang or getting out of one is to become a devoted member of an evangelical church. In the research, more than half of the Salvadoran gang members being surveyed identify as evangelicals and attend church services an average of 15 times a month. In contrast, just 17% of gang members identify as Catholic. They feel the evangelicals are more welcoming despite their criminal past, and they feel embraced in these conversions by the evangelical church, it was said. This phenomena has coincided with the growth of evangelical Christianity in El Salvador and other Latin American countries. Being a casual churchgoer is not an option. The gangs check up on former members to see how often they attend services whether they are drinking or smoking on the side. They want to make sure former members don't engage in criminal activity on the side that could ever pose a threat. I'm a Christian, and the gang respects that, says one former gang member, but if I fail as a Christian, they will kill me. 
I've just got to interject one thing here. Many times we have found that when the church is resisted, the church has persisted and grown too. In a personal observation, when I was in college, I did not believe in God. I did not believe in Satan much either. I picked up a spiritually dark book written by a man who will remain nameless, and I was surprised that he talked a lot about Christians. He had been aroused about in a carnival, a carny. He said that Christians used to come out over the weekends to party, get drunk, and have a good time. Then on Sundays, they would go to church in another tent where the author played the organ for an evangelist. He said that belief in Satan is not necessary. Just live your life. You know, drugs, sex, and rock and roll. He said that to serve Satan, well, the theme of the book was do as thou wilt. I'll come back to this. We are all faced daily with a choice to serve God. It is an existential choice. The French writer Jean-Paul Sartre said you can elect to not make a choice, but not making a choice actually is a choice. There is no way out. There is no exit to choice. Remember here the words of Jesus. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14 say, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way, that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Jesus says you have a choice. Matthew 10.32 says, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him I will confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Somebody here is in a hopeless situation right now. I know that because I read daily prayer requests. There is a difference between a painful situation and a hopeless state. I'm talking about hopeless here. Being hopeless follows where there is no positive finale. It's being at the end of your rope, the end of the line. Mike Dubard in Hope for the Hopeless said lots of things can bring us to a point of hopelessness. The death of a spouse or a child, the loss of a job, a prolonged illness, a marriage on the brink of divorce, the prospect of financial ruin or a prodigal child or one of your grandkids, maybe a personal addiction of yours or a member of your family. You may have lost all confidence in the future, You may have no confidence that things are ever going to work out. You've tried everything, and you've looked everywhere, and things remain bleak. Somebody listening here today is probably in that place. There are a lot of people who don't seem to know where they're going. They just float through life. It looks like they're not headed anywhere, and that they aren't doing much with their lives. They keep getting the same results because they keep doing the same things. But if you ask them, I think most would say they want more out of their lives. They want their lives to mean something. They want to believe that they too have a reason to be here. Now having a reason to keep on living is a natural thing. 
That's because God has built that hunger into our hearts, you know. The book of Ecclesiastes says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the hearts of men. It's like he created this immense God-shaped hole inside of all of us. That's kind of what St. Augustine said. This feeling that we're meant for more than just surviving. But listen to this. You don't have to take God as your good shepherd. You don't have to follow his leading in your life. You can go merrily on your way wherever you want to go, and most people do just that. Remember what we said, do as thou wilt. Of course, somebody has to make a choice as to what path we're going to take. The Bible talks about other shepherds when it says in Proverbs 1.4, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Let me read that again. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. I've watched a few television programs over the past few years. One actor will declare, let's go to the bar and get ourselves a drink. Now I ask you today, how is that going to help? But many people really think just this way. They try to cover their difficulties in alcohol or drugs or their work, other distractions of life. They numb themselves, hoping that when they wake up, their problems will be gone. But of course, the problems never go away, do they? They just hide and worsen over time, like a splinter in the mind. I accompanied my friend to Philadelphia for a doctor's visit. We had to ride SEPTA, the Mass Transit Authority in Philadelphia. We rode the underground part of SEPTA. The seat in front of us was a young man with a set of Beats headphones singing hip-hop lyrics that are unmentionable here today. The other side of the train car was a junkie. He had nodded off so deeply, I honestly wondered if he was dead. Now, how's that solving his problems? Eventually, his feeling of hopelessness and death will return, and it'll grow. Just ask a junkie. And then there are the people who seek to know the truth by other means. Say what? Yes, people want to know where the path of their personal life lies, but they don't ask God. They're not satisfied or they don't trust God's answers. Don't believe me, just look around any port city that you can think of. People turn to astrology, horoscopes, seances, fortune tellers, tarot cards, and Ouija boards. All such activities are demonic. Scripture condemns them. But at the heart of all this seeking to know your identity and your destiny by the stars or the tarot cards or in speaking to the dead, at the very heart of all of this is death. Remember Proverbs 14.12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Eventually, someone asks a fortune teller the ultimate question, When will I die? True to form, you're going to get an answer. One of your spiritualist advisors will give you a date when you're going to die. Then you live in fear for the rest of your life. I know this. 
My own great-grandmother died at 33 years of age. My grandmother believed that she too, like her mother, would not live past 33. She was hospitalized, and they gave her shock treatments. Until the day she turned 34, she dreaded her own 33rd year. The Bible compares us to sheep, and just like sheep, we're going to follow something or someone. But if we don't make it a point to follow the right shepherd, we lose our way. How about people like Jim Jones, Adolf Hitler, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, and L. Ron Hubbard in the Scientology movement? Don't drink the Kool-Aid, friends, because in the end, it all leads to death. Now, about 15 years ago, in Turkey, a huge herd of sheep of different flocks were gathered all together in one pasture. The shepherds were having breakfast nearby, but it seems nobody was actually watching the flock. One of the sheep wandered off from the others and fell over a nearby cliff to the rocks below. The other sheep in the flock must have figured the first sheep knew where he was going, and they all followed him to the bottom of the ravine. In a matter of moments, hundreds of sheep lay dead at the bottom of the cliff, and the rest had suffered serious injuries. The total loss was enormous. Now, if you read through the Psalms, you'd find a surprising number of places where the author was filled with dejection and utter fruitlessness. Psalms 4 says, Answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. Psalms 10 says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalms 13 says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? In each one of these, the psalmist pours out his soul to God. He has not lost his faith. It only means that there are times when life is so black and forlorn that it seems like God isn't there or that he doesn't care. But by the time David wrote the 23rd Psalm, he could say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. But there's a big snag right here, a big problem. What I'm trying to say is you've got to let God be the shepherd. It's your choice. It's all up to you. You can keep your present life with whatever your worldview happens to be, or you can give it up for a new life or a rededicated life in Christ. So are you going to serve God, yourself, or somebody else? You know, Bob Dylan writes lots of songs. A while ago, he won a Grammy Award for Best Male Rock Vocal Performance for the song Gotta Serve Somebody. In it, he tells the truth. You might be a rock and roll addict prancing on the stage. You might have drugs at your command and women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high-degree thief. They may call you doctor or they may call you chief, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord. 
but you're going to have to serve somebody. An old couple lived on a mountain in the wilderness. They had no electricity and no running water. On their property was a high-tension power line carrying thousands of watts of electrical current. Yet they had no electricity. The old man wanted to be independent, and he chose to live off the grid. So there they lived, virtually powerless. Now when his wife eventually needed nursing care, they needed power. As they had none, she was moved into a nursing home far away, leaving the old man alone. Sometimes we are like that old man. We have immense amount of power available to us, and it is so close, but some will choose to do without. That power is Jesus Christ. Some of us or those we love may choose to remain independent, to live off the grid and away from the power of God, living life as they please and serving who they want, and yet that power is so near I swear it. But I want you to leave here today understanding and believing that hope is found in the power of Jesus Christ. But you have to make that choice. The question is, who are you going to serve? I'm here today to tell the world that Jesus Christ is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has enormous power right here, right now. And if he did it for somebody yesterday, he can do it for you today and make all your tomorrows better than your yesterdays. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. This podcast has been brought to you by East Cocalico Church and is affiliated with the Church of the Brethren, dedicated to continuing the work of Jesus, peacefully, simply, together. Christian education is Sundays at 9.30 a.m. with worship services at 10.30 a.m. Phone in at 1-717-336-7616 where the love of Jesus is filling every heart.